This is Barry Zelma, Zelma on insurance. Today I'd like to speak about the coinsurance provisions of first party property insurance policies because they often cause confusion and difficulty in the application of what is really a very simple provision of an insurance contract. Coinsurance is often misunderstood. It is a clause that causes frequent dissatisfaction with insureds over claimed settlements, but is a clause to which, probably in an attempt to save money, they agreed. Historically, most losses are partial losses. It is rare that the entire building or amount of covered property is destroyed in an insured against loss. Knowing this, individuals deciding to insure their business property might insure for only part of its value. The insured may reason that since it is more likely to have a partial loss than a total loss, it is wasteful to spend premium on complete insurance. This reasoning, of course, defeats the concept of insurance being a risk-sharing opportunity. If the insured does not obtain insurance for the total values at risk, then the risk is not shared equally with other insureds. If most insureds choose to insure only part of the value of their property, the insurance industry would still have approximately the same number of claims to pay. However, the premiums that it collected to pay those claims would be vastly reduced. In order to have enough money to pay the losses, insurers would be compelled to charge more for the lower values that the insureds chose to insure. Those insureds who chose to insure the full value of their property would pay even more than they now pay for the same amount of coverage. Encouraging insureds to carry full insurance on their property allows premium levels to be fairer, and that is why the coinsurance provisions were created. The authors of the coverage forms were aware that expecting insured individuals and businesses to carry coverage for 100% of the value of their property was unrealistic. They allowed the choice and the corresponding premium level of insuring against the risk of loss of only a percentage of the value of the property. The percentage that the insured chose is called the coinsurance percentage. The insured and the insurance company are coinsuring the property because the percentage that the insured chooses not to insure represents the amount of coverage that the insured will pay. In order to encourage insureds to insure a reasonably high percentage, of their property value. The coverage form provides the incentive of coverage extens extensions, broader coverage, 
to those insureds who choose at least an 80% coinsurance. The term coinsurance means a relative division of the risk between the insurer and the insured. Coinsurance clauses are provisions in insurance policies that require the insured to maintain coverage to a specified value of the property. If the insured fails to maintain sufficient limits, he or she becomes a co-insurer and must bear his or her proportional part of the loss. In regard to co-insurance, for example, the Michigan Court of Appeal concluded that there is no ambiguity in the co-insurance provision. Neither the policy application nor the declarations page of the policy addresses the operation of coinsurance except to indicate a percentage that would be integrated in the coinsurance clause. The Sixth Circuit Court of Appeal, following a case called Royal Property versus Prime Insurance, that is the Michigan Court of Appeal decision of 2005, dismissed a plaintiff's claim that there is something vicious about coinsurance. Its legality is no longer a debatable question. It has been authorized by law for over 40 years. In effect, a coinsurance clause exacts a penalty reduction in the insurance proceeds payable to an insured that has underinsured its property. The coinsurance clause in the policy does operate to leave a large amount of total loss. However, because the amount payable by an insured after application of the coinsurance clause still exceeds the limit of insurance under the policy, the coinsurance clause would have no practical impact since the insured can never obtain more than the limit of insurance. In American Insurance Company versus Iacone, a uh, 1952 decision of the Delaware Supreme Court, it found that regardless of the valued property law policies in Delaware, they still must be read to determine the insurer's liability to the insureds in accordance with the applicable provisions of the policies of insurance sued upon, including, including the coinsurance clause. The Insurance Services Office Commercial Property Form, CP00100695, among others, explains coinsurance in clear and unambiguous language as follows. If a coinsurance percentage is shown in the declarations, the following condition applies. A. We will not pay the full amount of any loss if the value of covered property at the time of loss times the coinsurance percentage shown for it in the declarations is greater than the limit of insurance for the property. Instead, we will determine the most we will pay using the following steps. 1. Multiply the value of covered property at the time of loss 
by the coinsurance percentage. Two, divide the limit of insurance of the property by the figure determined by step one. Three, multiply the total amount of loss before the application of any deductible by the figure determined in step two. And four, subtract the deductible from the figure determined in step three. We will pay the amount determined in step four or the limit of insurance, whichever is less. For the remainder, you will either have to rely on other insurance or absorb the loss yourself. The form then provides examples on how the insurer or the insured can calculate the amounts recoverable for a loss where the coinsurance clause is involved. The limit of insurance has to satisfy the coinsurance percentage in order for the full amount of any covered loss to be paid. As an example, consider the insured who chose an 80% coinsurance percentage and a coverage limit of $220,000. After a loss, the company insurance claims adjuster determines that the full actual cash value of the property was $250,000. Did the insured meet the coinsurance requirement? Of course. 80% of $250,000 is $200,000. The insured's limit was $220,000. If the insured carried only $100,000 in coverage, would he have met his coinsurance requirement? Answer, no. Clearly, 100000 is less than 200000 Even to a third grader, applying the condition would allow the insured to only collect 50% of his claim. The first paragraph of the additional condition on coinsurance explains that unless the insured complies with chosen coinsurance requirement, a loss will not be fully paid. The authors of the Insurance Service Office form wanted to make coinsurance methodology very clear, so they put in the Form 3 coinsurance examples. And those examples should be understandable to anyone who can buy a commercial property policy. When an insured, usually with the assistance of an insurance agent or broker, determines the coverage limit for a policy, they're almost always thinking in terms of values as they exist at the time the policy is acquired. A building that has an actual cash value today of $500,000 must be insured to $450,000 in order to meet a 90% coinsurance clause. Requirement and have losses fully covered, minus the deductible, of course. If a covered loss occurs in the latter part of the coverage term, it is possible that the actual cash value of the building may have risen. Similarly, the value may have reduced. Regardless, the coinsurance clause is applied at the time of the loss, not at the time the policy was acquired. The insured will not profit, nor will the insured obtain a reduced premium if the building's value has reduced over time. 
The insured will, however, be in a position to recover the full loss. The coinsurance clause does not always cause a penalty. In a situation where the loss is severe or total, the insured may recover the full policy limit even after the application of the coinsurance clause if after applying the coinsurance clause to the entire loss the amount recoverable is still in excess of the policy limit of course that means they didn't have adequate insurance to cover their entire loss and they will still have to produce money out of pocket to reimburse themselves or rebuild the structure. The Fifth Circuit concluded in Mount Holly versus Advanced Products and Services, a 2015 decision, that a coinsurance provision is unambiguous. It calls for using projected income because insurance contracts are strictly construed against the insurer its interpretation must govern. That is the net income means actual net income for purposes of calculating the coinsurance penalty so long as it is reasonable. And when read as a whole and considering the contract's purposes, it was apparent to the Fifth Circuit that the net income described in calculating the coinsurance penalty is not actual net income but projected net income as the louisiana supreme court has said the rules of contract interpretation simply do not authorize a perversion of the words or the exercise of inventive powers to create an ambiguity where none exists in this case they were dealing with the loss of earnings provision that also had a coinsurance provision rather than a real or personal property coverage. Application of the coinsurance clause generally presents a mixed question of fact and law. Although preliminary construction and application of coinsurance provisions may present legal issues, whether such a clause applies and justifies a coinsurance penalty in a particular case requires a determination of whether the insured was underinsured or whether the value of the covered property at the time of the loss times the coinsurance provision and percentage is greater than the limit of insurance. This is clearly a fact question. Even when a coinsurance clause was not specifically referenced on the declarations page, the Ohio Court of Appeal concluded that it, would, it could not find that the insureds were misled or deceived when the coinsurance clause was set forth two times within the policy. Further, the first declarations page states, quote, this quote is subject to the following forms, close quote, and one of the forms listed is form F300B, which clearly sets forth the coinsurance requirement. This was a decision called Fry versus Walters and Peck, 
a 2001 decision of the Ohio Court of Appeal. This video was adapted from my book Zelma on Insurance Claims Part 102, Third Edition, which is available as both a Kindle book and a paperback from Amazon.com, which will include more detail on the coinsurance provisions and their interpretation, as well as on how to apply a deductible. If you found this video to be of interest or use to your colleagues, please pass it on. It's free. And please also subscribe to my YouTube channel, my Rumble channel, my blog, and my Substack publications so that you can learn about future videos and future blog postings. Thank you for your attention.